Welcome back to the, the Yamcast. Yamcast. My name is Erica. I'm definitely Crystal. Crystal? That's what that sounds like. It does sound like that. No, Chris still. Hey, we love hanging out with young adults and college students, and we love talking with you. And so we are so glad that you're listening to this thing, this little podcast that we created. But we are walking through the scriptures, and we're back in Colossians for this episode. If you want to get a hold of us or ask a question or deal with any of those things, there's lots of ways to reach us, right? Yeah, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at the MCAST, or you could email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That sounds awesome. Okay. I approach this episode... Should we have a disclaimer? <laughs> with, uh, with my head on the ground and my arms before me. So like you're bowing? Bowing. Okay. Humbly asking people to listen as opposed to... Judge. A, yeah. Mm-hmm. Jump into it with conclusions already made up. Yes. Because it's the passage you've all been waiting for. When you get to any of his letters, <laughs> I think almost all of them deal with this to some extent. To so. some extent, there's something that's potentially to be misread by everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is the one. So shall we start the read-through? Let's do it. <laughs> I almost want to go back and read other verses first, but no. Let's do this. It's just going to get into it. Verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands <laughs> as is uh, fitting to the Lord. And now all of you are like, oh, that's why he had the disclaimer in the beginning. Disclaimer. This verse always gets... A bad rap. I have no idea why. um, Well, often, well, as you talked about, it's taken out of context, or they just read this one verse. Yes. And that's it, right? Yes. But remember what, this is a letter, so headings don't, weren't there, verse, all of that stuff was not there. This was written as one fluid thought. And so right before this, he says, and he's talking about everything that you do needs to be done for God. Mm -hmm. And then now he's just getting far more practical into your home. Yes. Right? So he's like, and this is how this would look in your home. Wives submitting to your husbands. And we hear submit, especially as women, and we're like, like we want (laughs) to gag, like it hurts us physically. But really, submit is not a bad thing. It's not a negative thing. Um, And a lot of times why we do this is because like we don't want to be controlled. We want to be free. We want to do what we want to do. We see this as old-fashioned or misogynistic or whatever. And I was actually doing a Devo about this. And when this was actually written, like we see this as old-fashioned. Like, oh, this this was back in those days. This is how things were done. And really, for women to even to be addressed, not in scripture, but for them to be addressed is kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. Women were not thought of as really anything besides what they were supposed to, you know, they rear children mm-hmm. and they take care of the home you, mm-hmm. you know like for them to even have something that they're supposed to be yeah that that they would be addressed at, at church at like a with men is kind of a big deal right very much so and so this actually is is elevating to women it gives them a status it gives them like a, a place to be which is kind of a big deal at that time this was not a thing women women were seen and not heard, that sort of a thing. Like that was not, they didn't have status at all. So I want us to stop thinking of it as old fashioned because back in that day, this actually was, 
I can imagine that a lot of people when this was read was kind of like, whoa, like they're talking about women, like women mm -hmm. have a role here, you know? So um, the next verse kind of talks about it too, but it doesn't end here with just like women, you got to do this next. Like it, there's a reason that this is here and there's a reason that Paul is saying that wives, it doesn't say wives love your husbands, right? Like it says to wives to submit, which has to kind of do with respect because mm -hmm. that is a lot of times what a guy wants, right? That's what they seek, right? Yes. Yes. But even that I hesitate a little bit and I'm not, you're, you're not wrong, but I'm always hesitant with saying wives, what your husbands want is respect because even the word respect. Part of the problem with this whole thing is submit and respect and all of that stuff is completely misconstrued in our culture and has been for a long mm -hmm. time. So we'll get into that a little bit more with a deeper dive. But to your point, yes, the fact that, first of all, women are being addressed is huge. The fact that women are addressed before men mm -hmm. is also huge. And we read it and we freak out a little bit. I want to suggest that we don't freak out as much, and you've done a great job of kind of explaining why. We we would love to dive into the weeks of discussions you and I have had about this. It's true. That helped us come to a conclusion of, oh, this isn't as misogynistic as it sounds. Uh, and again, I'm going to deal with that a little bit in the deeper dive. But yes, this is saying, wives, what your husband needs to feel like the man that he's supposed to be is he needs respect. He needs he needs to know that you value him to the extent that his his opinion matters, mm -hmm. that you'll listen to him before making a decision, that you guys will work on it together. That This verse is saying that. And in a culture where wives had very little status but sometimes were ordered around to do things, mm -hmm. like sell property, do this, do that, this, this opens up the idea instead of – her having the feel like she needs to fight for status. It's just, you don't need to fight for status. You've got status. Mm -hmm. Listen to your husband, submit to him. Let's go. Cause yeah, this doesn't mean that you have no opinions. No. Cause I think sometimes we see this too, is when wives are submitting to their husbands, they literally are silent and quiet and they don't do anything. And they just let the husband do everything and like rule and run the show. And that's not necessarily what this is saying. This isn't I'd, saying. I'd say it's not what it's saying. But yes. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It is not what it is saying. It, you can still have opinions. You can even have different opinions and voice them. This is not where. I mean, yes, he is meant to be the head, but that doesn't mean that he is by himself. Correct. He is still meant to be doing this with someone else because that is why we were created. Yes. I mean, if we if we weren't supposed to be doing this together, then we wouldn't have been needed to be here. M man would have been in the garden by himself, right? Like <laughs> there's a reason that we're here and it's meant to be yeah. done together, but not with us fighting each other for, for yeah, status or whatever it might be. Priority status. Yeah. yeah whatever word you want to use. Absolutely. And, and might I suggest before we dive into the rest of the passage, any of the issues you have with the scriptures, is likely not the scriptures themselves, but someone's interpretation of the scriptures. Mm. And more often than not, that is what we're actually fighting against. And in that, ladies and gentlemen, I applaud with you and I raise the flag and run to the battle with you. Because 
if we're misapplying or mis- misinterpreting God's word and then telling people this is what God's word is saying, mm, such as if bad. if this leads to women not being allowed to speak in a marriage, then they've misapplied what this passage is saying, yeah. which is what you're saying, but I, I'm just going to go one step further. And, and I guess as a pastor, I can even say, yeah, sorry, on behalf of all the 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 men who maybe meant right or had good intentions, but just really horribly played them out. So I can't really apologize for them, but I'm doing so before we dive in. So verse 19, let's keep moving. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So in, in the verse before this, I mean, I like that there's little things after it. It's not just submit. It's like as is fitting to the Lord, which I think... I think the question is then you ask yourself like, well, what is then fitting to Correct. the Lord? Like you're not, if you're being asked to do something that goes against what God would want you to do, then obviously that is not something he wants you to submit Correct. to, right? Or abuse. Yeah, right. Yep. And that's looking at this too. Like it's husbands, love your wives. And it's that extra thing of like, do not be harsh with them. Like I like that there's an extra, what that can, what that can look like. Like if you don't love them, then usually that means you're being harsh. Um so when this was written, I'm not sure if love was really on the minds of husbands. No. I don't know if that was a thing. No. It was all, it was very transactional, right? Marriage. It was, you know. And power. Yeah. So in the Roman world, especially what, what men had was power and authority, unequivocated. What they were taught, even in, even if we're talking about like the act of sex, which we had our love conversation mm-hmm. last week. Even within the act of sex, the goal was domination and power and authority. Mm. So this flies in the face of that. This this immediately says, love your wives, do not be harsh with them. That kicks out a, a vast majority of how the Roman world interacted with their wives. Mm-hmm. So when I read this verse, <laughs> you know, verse 18 especially in the culture that Paul wrote it in, it probably didn't create a stir as far as most wives probably submitted to their husbands Already. in some way. Mm-hmm. What Paul was doing was then defining it as you need to be doing this in a way that is fitting to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So you're honoring the Lord first. Verse 17, yes. yeah. do everything Fantastic. as unto the mm-hmm. Lord. And then as the Lord would lead you, now submit to your husband. That wouldn't you know, like it, most of the ladies in the room probably wouldn't have been like, no, like, you know, today yeah. it's a totally different thing. Whereas this verse, I almost imagine the dread in most of the men's eyes as they heard this, that they just re- immediately realized the way that I speak to her, the way that I deal with her, the way that intimate moments play out, mm-hmm. uh, my handling of the children we've had. And if they're all female, how they've been mm, dealt with. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot more going on here. And if you start to put it in a human perspective, you go, uh, this is the kind of the verse where you get like, oh, shots fired. You know, like Paul just dropped the hammer and the guys are going, oh, I got to completely rearrange mm-hmm. my life. And we don't read this passage this way because unfor- like th- this is where we're going to go later. But part of it is men have been emasculated to some extent in our culture mm-hmm. and they, they aren't mean. Right. We talked about toxic masculinity, which I agree. Like if, if, if masculinity is toxic, it absolutely needs to be gone. Yeah. But masculinity itself is beautiful and amazing. If it done correctly, like you don't need to worry about someone being harsh 
Yeah. But unfortunately, this this was needing to be said in Colossae for some reason. Very interesting. Yeah. Good. So verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything. Eden and Dylan. You listening? If you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, let me repeat that phrase for you. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Yes, my first thought was, how many of us have failed at this? Like, Not with a raise of hand? Right? I, I'm perfect. Yeah, I doubt I, that. Let's get mom. your mom in here. and no, she, would... she thinks I'm perfect. Yeah, okay. Oh, man, I... I I actually feel like I'm better at obeying my parents as an adult yes. than I was as, as a child. <laughs> <laughs> but truly learning this obedience sets you up for success later in life. Obviously, this is not obeying them, again, if they're asking you to, to disobey God. But God set this up, parents with children, for a reason, yes. to bring them up. And so you learning to respect them and listen and obey them is going to help you listen and respect other people that are going to be over you in your life. And if your parent is an awesome disciple maker, you already know this. Yeah. You know, like obedience is easy because you've seen it, you've lived it out, and you've learned from them at some point, especially if you're a young adult listening to this. You've learned at some point. I mean, man, they're actually right most of the time. If your parent is not a great disciple maker, this verse is way harder to play uh-huh. out. You know what I'm saying? So there are elements of a lot of the counseling I've done over the years is kids in youth group coming to me saying, I don't understand how to live this verse out. My yeah. parents are both alcoholics. I'm home alone all the time. And we, we navigate this in a totally different way. And we discuss that. So I'm, I'm, I'm not taking away the nuance here. I totally understand that. And, and when he says, obey your parents in everything, clearly this also goes back to verse 17. Do everything as unto the Lord, not for men. So if your parent is telling you, like, go in there and rob a bank, you don't have to be like, okay, I'm going to listen to you. Like, I'm obeying. You know, like, yeah. Like, that's not what this is saying. And some have taken it again and made it do this. But but Paul's talking in the church. This is to a church. This is to people who have already committed themselves to Jesus. And what he's saying is, children, obey your parents and everything, for this like, pleases the just Lord. Just do it. They know what they're doing now. Mm-hmm. They're listening to Jesus. They're walking with him. Since they're walking with him, listen to what they're saying. It's It's good. It's wise for you to do so. Yeah. So that's my piece. Eden and Dylan, you have good disciple-making parents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm kidding, but not really. Uh, listen to your parents. All right, so verse 21. Fathers, I don't like this verse. Do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So I I actually <laughs> feel like I'm going to need to remember this. Yes, I probably. think I, this will be my issue when I have children is being hypercritical. Um and kind of always holding them to this standard that probably is impossible. And I don't think Aaron actually is going to have an issue with this. I think it's going to be me. So, yeah, my standards and expectations can be a tad unreasonable at times. And grace is not always at my forefront. So this is going to be good for me to to be mindful of. But also I think this is good for children if they were listening to this as well, that they see, oh, my parents aren't going to always be perfect either, yes. you know. Yeah, the way that this has applied to my life the most is me crossing a line. Because I'm sarcastic and fun, and my kids love that. Mm. But then I, I cross a line, and I have to go back and apologize because I know that I've provoked them. Mm. You know, So there are times where their anger is their problem, and I absolutely have to come down on them. There are times when their anger is actually my fault. And in those moments, I'm deeply convicted because of this verse. Mm. I, I back away and have to realize I, I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have egged you on the way that I did. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah, not, I don't like that one, but it's in there, so we got to deal with it. We do. 
Don't leave a verse undealt <laughs> with. Correct. We're going verse by verse. But I will say, like, I, it absolutely applies to my life and the way that I handle it. Uh, my wife also likes to apply this verse to me every once in a while. And I <laughs> appreciate that. And I say that it probably sounded sarcastic and, you know, Heidi will deal with me later in a conversation, I'm sure. But um, that, sounded so, that sounded mean. I, I don't, babe, I don't mean that at all. Uh, keep digging a hole, Chris. Like, <laughs> You're helping yourself out. But here's, here's what I am saying. Like, what I love about my wife, there's so many things, but one of the things that I love about her is when I have crossed a line, she will roll over or lean over to me or, you know, wherever we are in our house. Mm -hmm. And she'll say, don't provoke your children. And at first I'm a little frustrated Uh and and arrogant about it. As most of us are. And then I immediately repent and and go handle it with my Mm -hmm. kids. So thanks, babe. All right. Verse 22. And that's why we're meant to do this together. Yeah. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure she would say the same thing. Like sometimes it's way easier not to do it with another parent in the room, but... Uh, it is good. It is good to rub off on each other. Verse 22, bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And I mean, always going back to that verse 17, which actually we will repeat in a minute, yep. but just always going back to you're doing this for God. You're not doing this for others, right? right. So, and kind of remembering that this book is being brought back with Onesimus, as we kind of believe. And he's a servant that ran away or whatever he did. He did something wrong. And I can imagine it would be very hard for him to kind of hear this and be like, oh, I definitely did not obey. And I mean, he's has a ch- definitely a change of heart, has come to know Christ within that. So he's going to come at this, I believe, with a little bit more of like conviction rather than defensiveness. But yeah, I can imagine him hearing this. He's like, oh, I totally didn't obey, and I'm going to need to apologize. You know, like, I'm going to need to fix this. So, yeah, we're not continuing to remind ourselves that we're not working for earthly masters. Like, we're truly just working for God. He is our master. So, Apthal Medulia. That's the word, people. Eye, eye service. Mm. Paying your eyes to something. It's, 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 a, good, it's a good Greek word. All right. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you. I think it's a. Uh... And I just love that. Yeah, the whole people pleaser, like that idea, because that's that I mean, that is even just us in jobs in general. Yes. I mean, a lot of us are doing that so that we can get noticed so that we can get in with the boss. Right. You know what I mean? And that's not necessarily the point either. So. Right. Which is what the scriptures are actually doing. Like we could read a verse and say, this is what the verse says. It's another thing to put yourself in the verse and go, oh, I'm doing this all the time. Mm-hmm. And then being convicted by it and moving on. And that's what God's word is meant to do. Carve into us and change us up. Verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Which if we have been paying attention, we've talked about verse 17 a few times. This is basically a reiteration of that yes. verse where you are working for God. Every single thing you do should be for him and not for men. And it's just like, I think it's, yeah, it's very interesting that it is repeated only a few verses later. I think it's meant to make you, ah, hey, something's important here. Mm-hmm. You really need to be paying attention. Absolutely. It's important and it's it's a good verse to live by and to memorize. So if you haven't, you know, if you don't memorize 17, memorize 23, 23. or memorize both of them, you know, whichever way you want to go, these verses pop in my head often when mm-hmm. I'm doing oh, yeah. something and I have to step back and go, do this for the Lord, not for men. All right, let's go, you know. So 
Yeah, it's mm-hmm. good. Verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus. So I think this is good too. Like there is a reward in doing right, for being obedient, for working hard for God. It is It is not salvation because we already have that. We right. don't need to be working for that. It is a heavenly reward. So it's going to be amazing and worth the wait. Um. So, yeah, I think just us knowing that there is a reward. And granted, we already have the reward. Us being in heaven and having salvation is enough of a reward. So having mm-hmm. something on top of that is just crazy to me. Totally. And Ephesians 1 would agree with you. That's the whole statement in Ephesians 1, mm. 3, and through 14. Yeah, well said. I can't add anything to that. Verse 25, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. So yeah, these kind of go together, just showing that good will be rewarded with good and bad's going to be rewarded with bad. And it's really as simple as that. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter. And that kind of, I think, goes into what we're going to talk about in the next verse. Like, it doesn't matter your status, your standing, none of that. There's going to be no partiality. If you're over here, you're going to get this. And if you're over here, you're going to get this. And it's God choosing that, obviously. But we, I remember talking to somebody once and they were like, well, I'm just going to leave it into God's hands. And I'm like, but we have a role in that too. Like, are we going to choose to follow Christ? Mm -hmm. That is what decides what side we're on. Mm -hmm. We actually do have that decision. It's not just God being like, "Eh, we did the weighing balances. No, it's do you have Jesus on your corner? And if you don't, then that's what's going to be happening. Right. Because you could say, I'll let God handle it and then be bitter and angry. Mm-hmm. And that's not what God's asking you to do. No. It's bigger than that. All right. Final verse of this section, which, which is, is actually chapter four. I know. Isn't that so weird that this one verse is randomly in chapter four? It's not that weird. I There's a number of places in scripture where this happens, where you are reading it in Greek or Hebrew and you go, how did this verse end up with this section and not this? I think that some scribes just like fell asleep and woke up and they- They're put, like, here's seven verses. Yeah, Let's go. They put a number down. They're like, oh. Four, <laughs> first one, and then like, oh man! Wait shoot. a second, that was one verse. Well, I was supposed to go too, with that chunk. It's too late. We can't undo this now. <laughs> oh gosh! Seriously, because there are times where, like, when you're translating, you're going, "Why did they break it here? This makes no sense." But anyway, they did. They did, and they're wrong. Verse, <laughs> <laughs> verse one of chapter four: Masters, treat your bond servants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So, and I don't know if anybody else is like that. Seems like. That should have been with the chunk of verses before the last three we just talked about. And I thought the same way. I thought it was very interesting that this verse is after these verses and not like right after the bondservant verse. But I'm also thinking that those of us that are in higher standing, and I'm putting myself in that because I think us being in America, in America is yeah. we're quite privileged, yeah. that we need to be reminded who we are also working for and that good and bad will be repaid no matter who we may think we are. And I think the same could be said of masters, maybe gaining an inflated ego, and you need to be reminded, no, you're going to get the same thing that everybody else is going to be getting. Mm-hmm. So, because I did find it very interesting that it was after these verses, and there was part of me that was like, maybe they needed a little reminder before they were like, and masters. And especially if Onesimus is delivering this letter, as we've pointed out as mm. a possibility, a bond servant who has yeah. run away, he comes back. And his master Philemon also has another letter like that. Remember, that's the mm-hmm. that's what the premise that I believe is happening here in Colossians. So, 
Onesimus's verses a few verses before this. Almost then, a little direct. And then there's a bunch of other things between here, and then it's, oh, and by the way, masters, treat your bondservants well. And we, we go, oh, you know, Philemon's like, oh, okay. And then you read Philemon, and you realize there's a huge connection here, and it's, it's yeah. awesome. Uh, if you think, I'm not a master, I don't have to treat anyone fairly and just, uh, going back to Erica's point, yes, we are in a very privileged position, if, especially if you are a member of white America. Yeah. Uh, and so here I'll prove whether you are a good master or not. How do you treat your waiters and waitresses? Mm. How do you treat you the officer that is pulling you over? How do you treat the cashier at the grocery store who's running behind and accidentally misswiped one of your items and had to go back and void it. Yeah, because that's the deal. If it's when things are going wrong, how are you treating them? When are everything you, goes great, you're going to treat them fine. Are you treating them justly and fairly? And if that didn't convict you, then you're a better person than I am. Because mm-hmm. that verse convicted me. Alrighty. Ready? Yeah. I'll make it short. Here it comes, the time for the deeper dive. Okay, two big things. I'm going to try to keep them as quick as I possibly can just for the sake of that passage is so rich. There's so much going on. But the first thing is I think with the household order, and that's what we would call this section, yeah. verse 18 through 4.1 4, is called the household order. And I think part of what's being described here is heaven on earth as it should be. And some of what's happening in most of the New Testament is this idea that God wants heaven and earth to be one. That was the start of the story. That's Genesis 1. That's Genesis 2. And then Genesis 3 happens and kind of breaks things up. And and one of the things you see in Genesis 3 is man is separated from the presence of God. Heaven Mm -hmm. and earth are, are separated. Man and woman are also separated from one another through shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a, that's a consequence of the fall. And so what happens is there's this need to see earth living itself out differently than how it, it wants to, right? So there's this heaven and earth connection point in Genesis 1 and 2, and we all yearn for that. The animals are hanging out with the humans. The humans love each other. The humans are with God. Everything's great. You know, it's, it's an orderly status. Everything's perfect, at least in our mind. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we think of perfection in that, because God never even used that word. He used the word used good, good yeah. or very good. The reason why we think of perfection is because we long for no tri- trial, no, you know, no anger. Issues, no right. Struggle, we we yeah. want we want everyone to just get along and everything to be great. So when we think of heaven and on earth as it, or everything as it should be, we don't think of the fall. We think of before that. Mm-hmm. And what Paul's saying here is now that we live in a post-fall world, the way that things are properly ordered to show the world how heaven is, is to act this way. So that means women instead of yearning to, to drive over your husband or to do things behind his back, you know, you need to feel, first of all, like a human being, that you have a part in the, in the story. But second, you have to understand that you have a role in helping your husband feel like the man he's supposed to be. That's just truth. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that's, there's nothing there about, you know, don't speak to him unless you, he's spoken unless to you. Spoken like, to. Those are just stupid rules that are pushed back. And I'll get to that in just a second. But what really ends up happening is, is on earth as it should be, my my wife should understand that I, I need to know that she appreciates me and that she respects me. On the flip side, my wife should know that it is a safe place for her to come voice her opinion and yeah. I'm not going to be harsh with her. And I'm going to love her so much and I'm going to listen to her and I'm going to – we're going to have major decisions that we make together, not me just coming home and be like, oh, about a boat. Like, <laughs> you, a boat. <laughs> like we, we, we have messed this up so badly in our culture – that it isn't heaven as it should be on earth. It, it's this weird 
churchy thing that looks nothing like it's supposed to, and we freak out against that, which I totally agree with. Like, mm-hmm. We should freak out against that, which leads me to the second part of this. So you have to understand that when you're reading scripture, you're often reading it through the lens of a cultural understanding, which is happening in the midst of the death of Christendom. So the church basically took power in late Roman empire times, right? When when Constantine said, mm-hmm. I'm a Christian, everyone else should be a Christian. And like I said, at podcasts ago, like when you start giving out tax breaks and you start telling people like, if you're a Christian, you're going to not have to serve in the army or any, like everybody, beca- people everybody became one, a Christian, yeah. but none of them actually submitted themselves to Christ. They didn't, they didn't go through it the way that they were supposed to. They just did it for all the wrong reasons. And we've lived in a culture for centuries now that has, has faked it. Yeah. And what's, what I both enjoy and hate is that Christendom is almost dead. <clears throat> and I, I enjoy it because it wasn't even real Christianity and we need to get back to what should be. What I hate about it is everybody's still putting us on the hook for all the things that were done in Christendom that were wrong. Mm-hmm. And they think that that's immediately what and we're that saying. That is what it is. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so they, they see a you know a picture of Puritans or something and they think, well, that's what you guys are all doing. If you're following the the timeline and looking at how Christianity works, of all of the major faiths in the world, Christians hold up women to the highest esteem. And you may not agree with that, but I would love for you to start to dig in your own, you know, go do some of your own study and write on a list, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, and run down the list of all the major ones and compare them all to how Christians treat women based on passages like this, if they're rightly interpreted. Mm-hmm. The downside is we have centuries of really bad teaching on passages like this. And so what ends up happening is we have people who have said, women, what this means is that if he hits you, you need to be quiet and sit back. That's wrong. Like, that's Mm -hmm. just flat out wrong. That's not even close to what this passage is saying. But you've got guys that have wrongly taught it, just like they wrongly taught about slavery, just like they wrongly taught about, you know, like you can go down the list of all of of the wrongs. And it's really a poor interpretation of scripture. Were we wrong? You know, most of the evangelical church, were we wrong with the race discussion? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We have been for a long time. And I think those of us who have pretty strong opinions now don't necessarily have the platform or the voice that either maybe one day we will or the or the platform or voice that will even save evangelicalism from itself. And if that's the case, God will raise up another movement. But all I know is I'm following Jesus and I don't treat people yeah. the way that, 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 that is laying it out. And in the same way, when we talk about marriage, typically what's end, what ends up happening is we are applying a cultural understanding of the last 1,800 years or 1,900 years, whatever, of poor understanding of this verse mm-hmm. or these verses. And we've, we've shoved that into marriage and said, this is how you're supposed to be. Folks, free yourself. Because <laughs> like, it's a beautiful thing when it is done as it's supposed to be. I have never had to ask my wife to submit. And that, that's one of the things that we talked yeah, about right we before did. we get online yeah. here. Like, uh, my, my wife and I, we approach marriage as we are a team and we are in this together. Mm-hmm. And I know she respects me and she knows that I love her. And I'm not harsh with her. But I find myself at times saying something in a harsh tone and then I have to step back and realize, man, I, I didn't even want to do that. Mm-hmm. So I'll go and apologize to her in front of my kids, you know, or I'll say like, hi, that's not at all what I was trying to communicate. I am so sorry that it came out that way. That was not way. my intention. Yeah. yeah. So that is how this verse is supposed to be applied, that I, my wife is elevated to a status with me that I see her as my partner. We are on the same platform. She's, if there was ever a major decision that needed to be made, she would submit to me to say, this is where we're going to go. But I've never had to do that. I know that's the thing too, yeah. And I think if it's done correctly, you would never have to do that. 
you know, I'm, I, I would never just come, like the, the buy a boat thing is funny, but that's just like how some men treat this. Like, well, submit to me. I'm going to go, I can do what I want. I'm going to go hunting for five weekends this, yeah. this next month. And it's like, that's not how this is supposed to be applied. Like you are on the same team and get in line. Mm-hmm. I like it. Okay. It's good. Let's move off my high horse and let's get practical. Let's get practical. Practical. Ooh. Okay. So there's lots of things. I mean, we basically just got practical in the last little bit too. Hopefully. The the part that I'm going to focus on is us working heartily for the Lord as bond servants or even as a master, whatever it might be. We really need to make sure that we're doing everything for God and not for man. And this reminds me specifically of work, a nine to five job. When I look at my day at work, am I going above and beyond as if God is my boss? Right. Um, am I making sure the company is excelling even if I am not getting acknowledged for it? Am I coming in on time and leaving on time even if no one is really checking? Am I staying off my phone in order to give them my best? I know that I am not always giving my best at work as if I am working for God. Like if I really did that every single day, mm-hmm. I would not be complaining. I would not be checking my phone. I would not be like I actually I had to sub for somebody the last two days and it's like it's like my least favorite thing. And I kind of make people know that it's my least favorite thing. And that should not be what it is, right? Like that is not working heartily for the Lord. Um, so this is always a great reminder for me and extremely convicting for me because I know that I do sometimes just view it as like it's a paycheck instead of like this is supposed to be done for God and that can be a testimony to him or for him, for all of the people around me to be able to see that I don't care if I'm – you know, getting, not getting what I feel like my dues are. Like I'm working for God. That doesn't matter. So yeah. How, how do you, how, yeah. Question for everybody out there. How are you doing at that? Even at school, like if you're a student, like (laughs) the amount of, I mean, I've worked with, with high schoolers and college students a ton and the amount of complaining that happens because of a teacher or the amount of complaint or like skipping school or, not getting their homework done. Like that is not working for God. That is you taking the easy route. That is you not seeing them as even deserving of your respect. Right. Right. So, so yeah, I just, I know for me as a job, that's convicting. And I know that if that was told to me when I was in high school, that would also be very convicting because Mm -hmm. I never really tried my hardest in school. Mm -hmm. I remember somebody coming in and kind of making a comment that some of the teachers basically were like, yeah, you can't really tell the Christian students from the non-Christian students anymore because they all cheat. And I was like, oh, that's totally me. I was totally, I cheated a lot in high school. And then I realized, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. And so I did. Like, I remember some people being like, oh, what's this answer? And I'm like, I'm not telling you. Like, we're not, I'm not doing that anymore. So I, yeah, I made a firm, we're not doing that anymore. I need to have my testimony actually be what I'm supposed to be doing and not just... I'm showing everybody that I'm a Christian, but then I'm still doing all of these things on the side that are not working for God. So, and if you fail at it, there's grace. We, we oh yeah, oh yeah. There, I mean, you're not going to be perfect. Totally, and and you're not even saying that. I'm just throwing yeah, this in. No, like, I'm. Yeah. There, there is grace when you fail. We are not holding you to some standard that you, you know, you need to hold to forever. However, at the same time, what do you do with that grace? Do you take advantage of it, or do you live it out? Yeah, right. And that's what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Live it out. Council Corner with Erica. 
All right, so this week, what I want to focus on, I've worked with girls often, and they often chat with me about their friends. And I see this with guys, too. They're often realizing that their friends are not actually really that kind. Their friends are talking about them really behind their backs, or their friends are asking them to do things that aren't right. But it is hard for them to say no. In some cases, they have been friends with these people for quite some time, and they're kind of beginning to change. They're realizing that maybe things aren't the same as they always were. They could either be changing for the better or not, and they are beginning to see some of these differences. And my advice has always been to have a sit-down, face-to-face conversation with them, especially because the majority of these conversations, especially the ones that are not super kind, are happening over text. Because let's be real, that is where all of your conversations are happening, especially the important or difficult ones. In person is better. You are less likely to say things that you may regret. And when you are in person, you can actually see how your words are affecting that other person. You can see if it hurts them. You can see what it actually is doing. When they're over a screen, you can't see those things. So you're kind of separated from them. So so then your words, it just doesn't even matter what you say. If your friend does something that hurts you, you need to tell them. Now, what can be hard is depending on your friends, this may not be true, but I would always ask myself, are they really trying to hurt me? Like if I was kind of feeling like a victim, I would also, I would always ask myself this, are they really trying to hurt me? And I can say that the answer was always no for me, but you actually might have people in your life that do not actually care about you and actually do want to hurt you. So your answer may be yes, that they actually are trying to hurt me. And now how you can kind of figure that out, do they have a good heart? And you would know. If the answer is yes, then they're probably not wanting to hurt you. And if the answer is no, then they probably are wanting to hurt you. And to be real, if they're wanting to hurt you, this might not even be a conversation that is going to be resolved at all. Mm -hmm. Like if they actually want to hurt you, that's just probably going to be the end. You don't want to be friends with them, to be real. Like you can keep a an acquaintance kind of with them but they they don't you don't want them to be your people you don't want people in your corner that don't care about you or that are actually trying to hurt you and so there comes a point when you kind of just have to cut that tie because if you actually have a sit-down conversation with them and they're actually trying to hurt you they don't care what you have to say Mm -hmm. they have they don't they have absolutely no care in the world what you have to say because it's about them and their feelings because they wanted to hurt you so That's the first thing is you really have to figure out, are they trying to hurt me or are they not trying to hurt me? And if they are, the conversation might not even be fruitful, but it it could be. Who knows? Think crazier things have happened. If it's a conversation or if it's a relationship you think is worth it, then try and mend it. But sometimes because you've been friends for so long, sometimes you just have to like say goodbye for a period of time. Yes. And ask for discernment. Yes. And the Lord will help guide you in that. It's not going to be easy and it's going to be painful and it's going to hurt because it it was never easy saying goodbye to a friendship. But sometimes that might need to be what happens because it's not it's not fruitful. Totally agree. And well said. That's our episode on the household order. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or concerns, don't message us. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Totally message us. We'd love to hear. We'd love to to help decipher this with you because I know it's been something that has I've been strug- I've struggled with for many years. So and I've started to understand it better. So yeah, we'd love to help you through that. Cool, cool. Have a good All right. one. Bye.
Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Yamcast. You can check us out at yamcast.podbean.com or on any other podcasting apps like iTunes. We would love it if you'd leave us a review that is any number between four and a half and five stars. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com. If you'd like more information about us, you can check us out at parkhillschurch.com or on the App Store with the Park Hills Church app. We are also on Instagram, so give us a follow at The Yamcast. Let's move off my high horse and let's get practical. All right, let's get... Oh, gotta do that again. You're gonna cut that. <laughs> no, he's leaving it. No, I'm just kidding.